God bless you. This is Pastor R.R. Jordan. Thank you for tuning into the Advancing Church Podcast. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray that today's message will ignite your faith to propel you forward to the next level in your walk with Christ. Now let's get into today's message. I love these moments because Psalm 91 says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's a lot of things God can do in His shadow. God can change everything in His shadow. When God puts you in a shadow, it's because God is hiding you, so only God things are visible. I remember Mary who the Bible says would be overshadowed by the power of the highest. And she was found with child. She walked into that shadow barren and out of that shadow pregnant. Somebody is walking out of this moment more pregnant than you were before you walked into it. If you believe it, come on, give God a little bit of praise. When, when God is overshadowing you, you can walk in with your reproductive system broken and walk out impregnated with the Christ, with an anointing, with a destiny, with a world-changing gift down in your belly. Because God does a lot in his shadow. She walked out impregnated. She walked out inseminated because God is a seed-bearing being. She impregnated. He impregnated her with destiny. He inseminated her with new life, all in the shadow of God. This is why good leaders like your pastor do not let us just run by moments where God overshadows a people. Because our words might not make you pregnant, but in that shadow, you'll walk out with something you did. You'll walk out with more weight. Anybody ever, come on, how many know when you get pregnant, you start carrying some weight? Look at somebody. I know you can't touch them and, and high five them and stuff, but look at them and say, I'm walking out of this with weight. Come on. God begins to impregnate. God begins to inseminate. God begins to deal with the belly and put something in you that you did not have before you got there. Only in the secret place of the most high. I don't know about you, but I'm carrying something this year. And even as we see ourselves crowning into December 2020 I'm still pregnant as we crown into December by the way I think I found out December is the birth month of your pastor it, it's mine as well so I guess God holds his greatest gifts for the last month amen something about the last being first pastor something like that I want to let you know the Bible says that when Jesus ascended he ascended and he gave gifts to men. And sometimes we think the gifts are just the things that are deposited inside of us and stir inside of our heart. But no, he said he gave gifts to men. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. The truth of the matter is when God gives a gift, he wraps it in a human package. And I want you to know that you have one of the greatest gifts in your midst, in your pastor and first lady in this region and in the world come on can we give them praise with if you're watching right now it is an honor for me to be here you have an incredible leader you have an incredible visionary you have an incredible pastor come on if you're watching just 
comment and bless God for these. Come on, you can do better than that. Bless God for these gifts that Jesus himself said, I'm going to leave and I don't want there to be a vacancy. So I'm going to give you your pastor. I love you, man of God. It's an honor to be with you and before your people. And I believe God is doing something significant even as we exit this year. I don't think it's strange that I've had the privilege to step upon this stage and minister into your hearts and minds as we come into the last month of 2020. Because I have a declaration to make. Because I am under the shadow of the Almighty. Because I walk out of that place pregnant. I have a declaration to make 20 to 2020. 2020 has not aborted your destiny. The shadow of God is stronger than the mess of a year. Come on. 2020 has not made you abort your promise or abort your word or abort the assignment God has put in your life and in your spirit. You're walking around carrying something and people are going to see that woman, that man right there. 2020 didn't get his 20. It's surgical tools on that one. That one right there is still pregnant. Do I got any people in the body that are coming out of this year saying I'm still full. I'm still carrying destiny. I'm in the shadow of the Almighty. If you want to turn with me just because I want to honor the time that we have. To Nehemiah chapter number 4. I don't, I don't want to be in front of you forever. I've been known to speak for a long time. So I want to. I want to honor the house, and I have something I want to drop in your spirit in Nehemiah chapter 4. If we could just read this with reverence and with an open heart, because God is laying forth a parable that shows a portion of his counsel for your life and for the body. Let's start at verse number 1, read about 8 verses. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and indignant. And he began to mock the people of God. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices and worship and praise? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that have been burned. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes on it, he will break down their stone wall. So Nehemiah in verse 4 said, Hear, O God, our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder." To a land of captivity. Mm. Do not cover their iniquity. Nor let their sin be blotted out before you. For they have provoked you to anger. Watch this. Before the builders. Somebody say we're builders. We're builders. So we built the wall. The entire thing joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Amorites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became angry and all of them conspired 
to attack and create confusion. Before you see that, can you just tell somebody, God is bridging the breaches. God is bridging the breaches. God is bridging the breaches. Come on, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For you who are watching and taking notes, I want you to write that down. Building and bridging the breaches. The scriptures by nature are prophetic. The Lord himself is a prophetic being. The scriptures by nature are prophetic. The term prophetic does not just speak to foretelling or predictive. Uh, God in his self is prophetic. It is the mind of God. Somebody say the mind of God. Uh, uh, because God is not confined to time. God is not a finite being like you and I who are confined to time. God does not need time to facilitate him into the future. You and me, finite beings, need time to process us into the future. So if we were to cast out 12 seconds for this moment, in 12 seconds we would be in the future that we talked about 12 seconds prior. We need the process of time in order to enter into the future. But God is not confined by time. And so God does not need to visit the future to tell you about it. God does not need to go to a future. God is the future. The future is not external to God. The future is inside God. So Jesus said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. And Paul told us that the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. So when you get inside of God, you get everything that you need. It's all inside God. The future is not an event that exists outside of God that God has to go figure out and then communicate to us. The Bible says he is the ancient of days. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God lives outside of the confines of time. So when we get inside of God, we get glimpses into our future because it's already inside God. So when God gives you a portion of his mind, he is in essence making you prophetic. He is not making you a prophet, but he is in essence making you prophetic. Because when God opens up his counsels, those counsels are timeless. If you have a word from God, and this is why the Bible emphasizes being in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, your future is protected by the one that the future is inside of. The Bible says all things are to him, through him, and for him. Even heaven came out of the bosom of God. God does not dwell in a place that existed before he got there. God pulled it out of himself and decided to live there. So when you need anything, you got to run into God. Hallelujah. Because everything that you need is found in God. And so we have a society that's trying to cripple our ability to press into the things of God. But they don't understand that they can take down a public place but not arrest my secret place. Because the secret place of the Most High is the place where God begins to change everything. So what God is doing now is God is working to re-emphasize and re-engage us in our secret place. The secret place is mighty. The secret place is powerful. It's in those places that God begins to literally bring solitude to our future, to our destiny, to who we actually are. Nehemiah, as, as a contextual scripture, begins to give us a portion of what God is saying and doing in the earth today and saying and doing in our particular lives. Nehemiah is alive at a precarious time. 
He's standing between the worst destruction to date in Israel's history and the greatest liberty to date in Israel's history. He's standing on the back end of a 70-year prophecy when the Bible says that they would go into captivity for 70 years. But at the end of 70 years, they would be loosed from that captivity and they would be brought back to their land to begin to rebuild. Nehemiah is a leader born in the gap. He's a leader born between two worlds. He is in a precarious time, a difficult time, a challenging time. He, he himself is multifarious and multifaceted and multidimensional. He is the cupbearer of the king and the rebuilder of Israel. He, he, is, he is both a leader in the Persian palace and a leader in reconstructed Israel. He, he himself is multifaceted. He can't be boxed in. He's, he's, he's ambidextrous. He can't be figured out. See, when God raises up a people in a time such as this, God will put a mantle on your life that has a coat of many colors so that when people look at you, they can't just identify you as red or blue or yellow or green. You're too multifaceted to be put in their boxes. So what God will do is he'll raise up leaders who are potent in the ministry and potent in the marketplace. Because God doesn't want to allow that devil to be able to put you in his sights. See, because one minute you're praising, the next minute you're crying, and the next minute you're praying, and the next minute you're smiling because you, you're multidimensional. You're amphibious. By nature, God has put a people in the earth that are amphibious, like Adam, who can work in the spirit and in the natural at the same time. So don't get dismayed when your neighbor can't figure you out. God just made you too creative for their mind to contain. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm not living in the box. I'm not living in the box. If you're watching right now, right, I'm coming out of the box. I'm coming out of the box. We come into trouble when we allow a society or a generation to try to lock us in one place. You can only preach. You can only build. You can only do this. You can only sing. You can only pray. You can only X, Y, and Z. But when God starts to get in your spirit, he puts on you something like Joseph's garment where it's too colorful for their finite minds to figure out. See, you're a colorful being. You're a creative being. That's why God has you working in multiple realms because your capacity is larger than what they could ever imagine. And people with small capacity, they, they, they get stunned when they see big gifts. They get stunned when they see somebody as excellent with tools as they are with a cup in a palace. They can't figure out how you can work well in prison and work well in palaces. See, for God to promote you, you got to prove to God that you don't bring prison behavior into palace environments. So what God is working to do is make you multidimensional. So when he promotes you, you don't live like the place he just brought you out of. So you got to be able to live in the past with a future in your spirit. So the past can't figure you out. The present can't figure you out. And by the time you get to the future, you already passed its ability to calculate your ability. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say you're multidimensional. Come on now. 
That's what God's been trying to raise up. I'm just talking. God has been trying to raise up a people like Nehemiah who are different because he bears the cup of the king in the palace of Persia. That means that he was trusted with the cup that the king would drink from. That's a very dangerous job. That's a very specific assignment. For somebody to put their cup in your hand, they got to trust you with everything that they've got. They've got to trust you because you could poison that drink because they don't serve the God of Israel. You could easily take their wine and mix it with an old thing. That means Nehemiah lived in such a way that not only did God trust him, but men did too. See, see, God is working to raise up a people now in the body where you are not only trusted with the contracts of heaven, but the contracts of earth. Hallelujah. God is trying to make sure that when somebody has a cup and they can't find nobody else to entrust it to, they can put it in your hands and know you won't spin in it. You won't poison it. You won't. That's an issue of heart. That's an issue of character. That, that is somebody else. See, Nehemiah realized that God said, I got to be faithful with what is another man." Before I can be faithful with my own. So I got to treat that cup like I'm drinking from it. Even though I'll never put my lips on it. Do you know Nehemiah knew what it felt like to hold something he could never actually drink from. Nehemiah understood what it felt like to have something in your hands that you could not actually taste. It was, it was far enough away from your taste that you couldn't experience it, but close enough in your hands that you got to feel for it. I'm, I'm telling somebody, when God starts to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies, he takes stuff that you used to only touch and lets you drink of it. God is about to bridge a gap by the time we enter into this new place where what you have held in an old territory, you will drink drink from in a new territory God is upgrading your experience say I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready but they can't figure Nehemiah out they're confused are you on their side or are you on our side it's multi-dimensional he cannot be confined or boxed in Nehemiah is alive in a precarious time between beautiful Persia and destroyed rebuilding Israel you got to see that both were still under the influence of Persian rule. Since they were under the influence of Persian rule, it is literally a picture of it looking one way to this eye and another way when you look deeper. See, when nations begin to come or families begin to come into spiritual harlotry or idolatry, the Bible says that it is as a gold ring in a snout of a pig. So it is beautiful on the outside, but it is run by a demonic beast. It is run by something that is, that is in the slop and will eat anything and everything that you throw at it. There are nations that can look pretty in one light. But when you look a little bit deeper, when you there are there are societies, there are regions. We are in a time right now where if you are not spiritually minded, all you will see is the gold ring. But there is something behind it trying to drive its destruction. Nehemiah was raised up in the middle of both. Nehemiah wasn't completely completely native to that or completely native to this. Nehemiah was raised to stand in what I call the gap. Somebody say the gap. He began to stand in the gap between this world and that world, this place and that place, this realm and that realm to bridge them, to raise them up. Nehemiah was interesting. He was raised up at the transition of an age, a transition of a people who is now a generation that has only known captivity, but is now raised up to experience liberty. 
and we know how that feels because when Moses was raised up to deliver the people from Egypt, they brought them out of bondage into a place of liberty where he was trying to give them ownership. The challenge is that you can take the people out of bondage and might not be able to take the bondage out of the people. Because it's in the mind. It's the way you think now. And so this generation has been raised up to think like captives, but have come into a time where they're liberated. So they're liberated living like captives. I'm going to get to it. They're liberated living like they're captives. So when God changes your circumstance, what is more important is that God changes your mindset. And your heartbeat and the spirit that you function with. When God has a people in a transition of an age, he raises up his most significant gifts. His most significant people get raised in that time. God will raise up Moses to bring them from Egypt to the wilderness. And then raise up Joshua to bring them from wilderness to promised land. And then raise up Samuel to bring them from judges to kings. And then raise up David to bring them from Saul to himself. And then raise up Daniel to bring them from Israel to captivity. And then raise up John to bring them from the Old Testament to the Christ. And then raise up the Christ to make all things brand new. Nehemiah has been raised to bridge the gap. Somebody shout, I'm bridging the gap. Come on. So a people that is alive at the transition of an era are deposited with the most significant anointings in the earth. Woo! And the most significant gifts in the earth. My God. And the most significant moves in the earth. And when you have that kind of significance in your gift, you better believe you'll have that kind of significance in your adversary. Because he will try to match the level of anointing that God has put in a people. Hallelujah. He will try to match that level. He can't, but he will try to. Not realizing that every time the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up the standard. Hallelujah. The standard God raises is you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he doesn't raise an outside standard alone. He raises you as a standard. He uses you to stand taller than the flood that once used to drown you. Somebody shout, God is raising me up. God is raising me up. You are alive at the point of a transition of era. Can I speak prophetically right now? You are alive at the point of an era of transition. We have entered into an entirely different place. And God says, I trust that generation with that transition. So Solomon said there was a time and a season for everything under the sun. So then there is a season for every purpose and a purpose for every season. There is a season for every leader and a leader for every season. There is an anointing, a season for an anointing, and an anointing for every season. I came to tell you as bad as 2020 has been, there is an anointing for every season. There are leaders he raises up for every hour, for every generation. The fact that you are alive at such a time as this means that you are equipped to bring transition and to bridge the gap. Somebody shout, I am anointed. Right, I'm going to preach for a minute now. I don't care what the devil throws your way. I don't care what the enemy sins in your face I don't care what he says or what he does if the enemy comes in that strong you got to know deep inside of your spirit there is an anointing he has never seen before you got a level of praise the devil ain't never seen you got a level of gift the devil ain't never seen God says I put my people in the earth for times and seasons and if you are alive right now it's because God is trying to use you to transition us to a whole new place 
We are going to a new place. So I want you to tell somebody you are well able. Come on, don't be unsettled. Don't be unsatisfied. Don't be nervous. Don't feel bad. Tell somebody you are able. The fact that God put you alive in this generation, watch me, means God trusted you with this transition. God, God said, I need, a, I need a Nehemiah. I can trust with a time such as this. God says, there's a generation I'm trying to entrust a transition to. So Nehemiah is so unique in his gifting. He raises up in this hour to bridge the gap from one place to an entirely different place of operation. And so when he gets to the place of rebuilding, the Bible says he had adversaries waiting for him. At every part of the turn, at every place that he went, he had adversaries sitting there waiting for him to walk into the place. Because that enemy did not want that anointing to be unlocked, to be unleashed, to be established. So what happens now is the enemy, the Bible says, that they begin to conspire to attack and create confusion. They conspired in themselves to attack and create confusion confusion so before the enemy ever attacks he conspires he conspires he cogitates he calculates he measures out he knows you before he sends an attack to attack without consideration of the one being attacked is foolish because I could attack in a way that would barely even hurt him so David understood this stone can deal with that dot, that giant. So when an enemy attacks, I cannot just think that that enemy is functioning out of momentary rage or being poked and prodded and acting suddenly. No, he's calculated. There is a there is a conspir there is a conspiring before there is an attack. He has an idea of what you can take, what a generation can take, what a nation can take, what a people can take. They said if a fox gets on the wall, it will crumble though they build it. That enemy, Tobiah, had a gross misjudgment of the quality of that wall. So if they sent a fox against a wall that can hold out an elephant, the enemy would look foolish. I'm trying to tell you, in his best calculation, the enemy has underestimated the anointing that God deposited in you for this season. If you came through 2020 alive, you better believe you are anointed. I'm telling you at home, you are more anointed than you realize. The enemy sent his best shot and you're still standing. That in itself is enough to give God praise. Come on, 30 seconds of thanks that you made it, that you're still pregnant, that you haven't aborted your destiny, that you are alive for such a time as this and things are turning in your favor. Come on, 10 seconds of thanks to God. Bless you, Lord. I'm telling you, that is in your spirit. There is an anointing in your belly. Now watch this. As he began to get there, he began to see the crisis. But crisis often crystallizes our call. It is the crisis that revealed to Nehemiah there was more to be done. It was the challenge. It was the problem. See, it is not in crisis that the good people God deposited in earth die and crumble. It is in the crisis that the anointing, that the gifting, that the assignment is revealed. God will put a people in the crucible of crisis to reveal their call, to get them ready to bring a people to a place they have never been before. And so Nehemiah now has clarity in his assignment. Nehemiah has a name that can be trusted, called to rebuild. You and me are called to rebuild. 
the, the, the nation had been ravished. The territory had been torn down. But you and me are called to rebuild. So Nehemiah steps into this place carrying a name that is representation of who God is in him. God has defined him. God has made him. God not, has not allowed the crisis to identify him. God has named him himself. So every crisis Nehemiah walks into has to identify the fact that God has named him. So when you walk into a challenge, you got to let the challenge realize that it doesn't have naming rights in your life. That you're walking into that season already have been defined, already identified, already named by God. And no power, no enemy, no struggle you walk into can affect your name. But watch what God is doing is he's calling his people back to a place where we embody the attributes of God. There is an enemy named Tobiah who was alive at this time. And Tobiah's name, listen, means the goodness of God. Tobiah's name means Jehovah's goodness. It means God has been good to me. That's what his name means. But Tobiah, instead of demonstrating the goodness of God, Tobiah actually got into a spirit of contention. I'm going to speak now. He got into a spirit of contention. Instead of embodying the attribute of God, he walked in the spirit of contention. There is a spirit of contention that has been released in our generation that is trying to apprehend people who are supposed to demonstrate the goodness of God. And instead of demonstrating the goodness of God, they embody the contention of the age. Tobiah did not walk around showing God's goodness. Tobiah walked around starting a fight messing in battle tearing down what God is trying to build I'm telling you God is about to judge the spirit of contention let me prophesy there is a spirit of contention that has tried to be released in your family and in the church at large and in the nation at large and do not allow that spirit to make you step out of the attributes of God Oh, I feel it now. Don't let it let you step out of the attributes of God. God wants you to live like you have been named in heaven and not like the battle you're facing on earth. Stop tearing down what God is trying to build. If there's anything, pastor, that irritates me to my core is when people who are supposed to be part of the body start tearing down what God is trying to build up. This is not a time to tear a thing down. This is a time to build a thing up. God has already tore a thing down. Now we got to build a thing up. So build your sister up. Don't tear her down. Build your brother up. Don't tear him down. Build your pastor up. Don't tear him down. Build up the gifts and don't tear down the gifts. God has done a tear down work, but he has positioned us to rebuild something up. But Tobiah decided, I'm going to live my own way, and I'm going to be inflicted by the spirit of contention and not embody the very attributes of God. But Nehemiah's name means consolation. So as they began to rebuild, as they began to function, he began to show up and inspect the walls, and he began to realize that the walls were only half built, barely built, tore down. As he showed up, he saw rubbish and heaps of stones, stones that were burnt stones from the past. Because as they were building, it's likely that the enemy sent fire to try to come in and tear down the building. 
And so that fire had scarred the stones and they heaped them up. Anybody been through a fire lately? That fire came through and they heaped it into the pile and they forgot about it and they stopped building because the people were distraught. The people were, were weary in their spirit because things had begun to be tore down. Now watch what happens now. Suddenly what begins to take place is Nehemiah sees breaches in the wall. He sees gaps in the wall. The enemy can easily get in and defile the people. The enemy can easily send in weapons and see and spy because there's breaches in the soul of the people. There's breaches in the gaps right now made inside the nation. So Nehemiah comes and says, we got to fix this problem. See, the children of Israel were actually acting like the season was the only thing that changed. But the, the season was not all that changed. The territory changed. They were living like when the prophecy was fulfilled, the change in season was enough for them to function in what God had always promised. But God had not just brought them to a change of season. God had brought them to a change of territory. Woo. It is an entirely different thing. It is one thing for God to change your season. It is another thing for God to change the territory. It is one thing for God to shift the, the atmosphere around you. It is another thing for God to shift the place you're in. They were living in the free place like they were bound in the captive place. Because when God changes a season, you can stay in the same place and your season be changed. When God changes the seasons, you got to change your outer wear. But when God changes the territory, you got to change your inner ways. Come on now. God did not just change their season. God changed their territory. We are dealing with a generation of people in the body of Christ who are used to God changing seasons. But not used to God changing ways and God changing territory. I'm trying to announce to you as a people, you have not just entered into a new season. You have entered into a whole new place. You have entered into a whole new realm. You cannot go here in the new place living like the old place. See, this is the challenge, Pastor, because we have a proclivity to lean toward the convenient and the comfortable and the things that we are satisfied with. We have a tendency to want the old thing to be hard and the new thing to be easy. Oh, I hope you hear what I'm saying by the spirit right now, because in this people's case, it was the flip. Babylon and Persia was easy. Y'all didn't hear me. Where they used to be was easy. Now the new place they got to rebuild. So they came out of a place that was convenient and into a place they got to actually do something. And they were able to do it because the people had a mind to work. I'm trying to help people understand if you are looking for convenience in the new place, you're still living like you want God to change your season. But God is not just changing seasons. God is changing entire territory. I'm telling somebody watching right now, God is about to put you in a whole new place with whole new fruit and whole new water. You're about to have a land that overflows with milk and honey. You're about to have fruit too big for you to carry God is changing your territory I want you to say it over your life God is changing my territory come on say seven times God is changing my territory he's changing my territory come on say it five more times God is changing my territory God is changing my territory God is changing my territory 
So God said, because I brought you into a new territory, but you're living like you're in an old, a new season, you, what you are trying to build is being tore down. It's not getting to the place that you know it's supposed to be because you're in a new place living like it's only a new season. But I need you to change your way. So God caught Nehemiah out of a place that was old and brought him into a place that was new so he could tell the people, we need a mind to work now. We need a mind to work. See, in captivity, your enemies had become your friends. They loved you. They promoted you. They blessed you. They let Daniel raise up. They let his three sons raise up. They let Nehemiah raise up. They let his friends raise up. But in this place, the enemy is trying to fight the rebuild. In this place, the enemy is trying to keep you tore down. In this place, the enemy is trying to make your heart sick over what it used to be. But I got a word for somebody. God said that I'm coming to restore glory in the new place. But the latter will not be like the former. The new thing will not be like the old thing. Israel wanted it to be like it used to be. They wanted Solomon's temple built back in its glory. They wanted everything to look the way it was before things began to shift. Can I tell somebody something? God says you're not going back to what it used to be. I brought you into an entirely new place. But though you need to rebuild it, trust I'm going to glorify you in it. I'm just anointing a people to rebuild. Hallelujah. In other words, God says I'm about to give you a clean slate. I wiped all that out so there would be no memory of the old way. So when you came into the new way, you could rebuild with innovation. Ah, the problem is, y'all, that we sometimes rely on the world to innovate instead of us being creative. But God says when you get to the new place, it's a land whose buildings aren't built up. It's a, it's a vineyard that's ready, but you got to plant it and water it. In other words, God says, I'm going to put a demand on your creativity. I'm going to put a demand on your ingenuity. I'm going to put a demand on what's in you so you can make this look the way you always thought it should. If you're waiting for it to be back in the old glory, you're not going to see an old glory. You're going to see God do a new glory and God do a new thing. Watch me, the children of Israel, the children of Israel were walking in this place. You got to understand this was a generation that had spent 70 years in captivity, 70 years hearing about a place they'd never been, 70 years hearing about the stories of Israel, but never actually visiting the place of Israel. So when they get there, they're shocked because they're used to opulence. They're used to everything being prestigious. The Persian army was prestige to the max. But instead, when they show up, they realize we got work to do. We got some building to do. We got some gaps to fill. We got some gaps to fill. Listen, see, we want to shout and get excited, but God is saying, yes, shout, but I got gaps. You see what happened? The destruction that ran through the territory created gaps in the wall. And God says, I'm going to use these stones that were burnt to revive them and make them fill the gap. 
So Sanballat said, how will they revive the burnt stones? In other words, Peter said, you are a living stone. So he said, the living stones have just walked through the fire. How are they going to be usable again? That's because that was a strange fire, not a revival fire. That was an enemy fire, not a heavenly fire. See, that thing tried to burn you and take you out of your place. But in this new territory, God is about to bring a revival that our generation has never seen before. And God's going to use people that were thrown in the heap. And he's going to use people who were burnt with fire. And he's going to use people the enemy said could never be used again. And God said, no, this time I'm going to raise up these stones. And I'm going to make them children unto Abraham. And I'm going to gift them and anoint them to see the gap and fill it. There are gaps in your neighborhood. God anointed you to fill them. There are gaps in your business. God anointed you to fill them. There are gaps in your house. God anointed you to fill them. God is trying to raise up a people who can stand in the gap and reign in the void and say, I'm standing between this thing and that thing, and I'm not giving the enemy any breach to walk into. Let me close down with this. To walk into the new place, he said, I got to give you a weapon. And I got to give you a tool. First, I got to teach you that you can come out of the place you've been burnt by. I thought I was talking to people who've been through a fire. I thought I was talking on a camera to somebody who's been through a trial. Somebody who's been through turmoil. Somebody who's been through hell. Somebody who 2020 tried to come through and ravish your soul. And the enemy said, I got them. They'll never get up again. But the devil is a liar. God said, I'm going to raise them up. God said, I'm going to use them. God's going to use the unusable. God's going to think the unthinkable. God's going to raise up the broken. See, you have even cast yourself down. God says, I'm going to make you trust me and therefore let you trust you. There are people who are destabilized in their soul who no longer trust themselves to walk into a new place. God is saying the enemy's lie is done. I am going to raise you up and you're going to find me infusing you with the confidence you have even in yourself to walk into what God has called you to do. But God says, not only am I raising the stones up, not only am I picking them up from the ground, not only am I going to redeem what was burnt, not only am I going to make it not smell like the fire, I'm going to give it a weapon and a tool. I'm going to equip them and empower them. I'm going to make them fight and build. See, God, in this generation, God is trying to raise us up to fight and build. The spirit of contention has tried to make us fight flesh and blood. But the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. So I'm not fighting my brother. Because if I fight my brother, I'll increase the gap. If I fight my sister, I'll increase the gap. If I fight my children i'll increase the gap but god says i don't want to increase the gap i need somebody to stand in the gap i want to bridge the gap so i'm about to give you the equipment he's about to give you the tools he's about to give you the weaponry to see victory in a new territory but you got to change your mind come on raise your hands let me pray for you i don't want to take too much god i thank you that right now you're raising up your people Lord, I thank you that you have not just changed our season, but you have changed our territory. You have brought us into a large place. 
you have brought us into a bigger space God I pray right now that you would release keys into their hands that you would release weapons into their hands may those who feel disempowered be empowered right now I heard the enemy say who are these feeble Jews who are these weak and weary people God is releasing an anointing to strengthen the feeble God is releasing an anointing to strengthen the weary right now if you feel distraught and downcast there is an anointing being released to increase your strength come on receive it in Jesus name father we release that anointing let the weary be strengthened let the broken be brought together father put in their hand the power to war father put in their mind the power to create father let their feet walk into a new place may old ways be cut off of our mind may old ways be cut off of our head may old ways leave us in yesterday and now new ways emerge may you be transformed by the renewing of your mind come on right now God says he is closing up the breaches the breaches in the soul the breaches in the mind the breaches in the wheel the breaches in the family God is closing up the breaches God is closing up the breaches the gap between father and son God is closing up the breaches I declare right now I see the gap between mother and daughter God is closing up the breaches the gap between churches in a region God is closing up the breaches the gap between where you were and where you're going God is closing up the breaches come on pray come on take me a little bit higher God is closing up the breaches God is closing up the breaches God is about to anoint you to see the gap that he has assigned you to feel God is closing up the breaches where your soul has been wounded God is closing up the breaches right now God is sealing God is closing God is tightening in the name of Jesus what God wants to do what God begins to do in seasons like this is he tries to raise up a people who bear his name who walk in the world witnessing the gaps and anointed to fill them God is saying that there are gaps in this generation and he has raised us up to fill them there are gaps in your home in your family in your relationships and you cannot wait for something else to come in the enemy has been telling you it is impossible but God is saying no I'm releasing an anointing to bridge the gaps in our nation to bridge the divides the disparities in our nation come on receive that anointing right now God is going to be able to allow you to see spaces you are uniquely gifted to fill I feel like God is going to begin to upgrade you in this month and he's going to begin to show you gaps you've never seen He's going to be able to show you spaces and holes you've never witnessed. And something in you is going to be stirred to step in. Because God says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap and to make up a hedge. He's going to begin to give this wisdom. I want you to obey that prompting. 
I want you to obey that prompting because he's going to bridge it for you. And you will find that in that hole is your prosperity. You will find in that hole is the healing you have sought for. You will find that the miracle you've waited for is in the gap that is exposed. And God is going to raise you and gift you and implore you to fill it. I want everybody hearing me right now. The biggest gap we all face in the world is the gap between us and God. See, between us and God, before we accept Him as Lord and Savior, there is a void. There is an enmity. There is a lifestyle that blocks me from receiving my Heavenly Father. But right now, God said He has come to fill the gap. I don't know who you are or where you're listening from, but in your heart, you feel a gap between you and God. You feel a breach. You feel a space. You feel a distance. In your mind and heart, you're not even sure that the God we proclaim is real. But God said, I'm not going to wait for you to bridge something you couldn't. So instead of waiting for us to build up enough courage, us to build up enough holiness on our own, that we could step in that void. God said to you, God said to me, I'm going to fill the space with my own son. And my son is going to deal with the enemy between you and your God.